you know, the electronics industry knows how to do new products. The, the car industry knows how to do new products. Um, but building materials, you know, a new product is, is a new color, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's not, it's not as bold of a new product as um, I think the customers are looking for. Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where in just about 30 minutes a week, we uncover the future of building and remodeling. I invite you to join us as we explore the industry that constantly involves with new products, new practices, and new technologies. From builders to remodelers to executives, as well as just a few of those with outside perspectives, each episode of Construction Disruption meets with forward thinkers who are going to share their unique and special insights. Construction Disruption is created and sponsored by Isaiah Industries, a manufacturer of unique metal roofing systems and other building materials. Uh, I'm Todd Miller, uh, president of Isaiah Industries, and today our co-host is our sales manager, Seth Heckeman. Um, our producer today is Ryan Bell, another important Isaiah team member. Seth, tell me, how's your day going today? Going well, well Todd. Thank you. Good. Glad to hear it. You know, we, we actually share an office, so if his day is going well, my day is going well. So that's that's a good thing to hear, and vice versa, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> Probably more often vice versa, huh? Uh, you know, Seth and I kind of demonstrate two kind of opposite ends of the spectrum in the construction industry. Um, even though he's a, he's still a young guy, Seth has has been around the industry for about 12 years. Um, I, on the other hand, am pushing almost 40 years at this point. Um, and so over the years, I've seen a lot of change in the industry. Seth has seen a fair amount in his 12 years as well. And I really kind of think that our industry is about to embark on some of the greatest level of change and some of the fastest change that we've ever seen. Uh, so nothing excites me more than having guys like Seth or, or Ryan, these younger guys, to help create and lead a $1.3 trillion construction industry uh, that we're ple uh, pleased to be a part of today. So that's exciting for me. Um, Seth, I, I hope that part of what um, you enjoy is learning from a few of us old guys out here. But um, I'm curious, what do you see as one of the biggest motivators for change, change and development in the construction industry right now? Uh Absolutely. Uh, 12 years is not very long. It's still plenty to learn yet. And it, uh, the best part of our projects here and, and what we're doing on a daily basis is that collaboration and seeing how we can grow and evolve together. For me, I think the skilled labor shortage right now is driving so much of the uh development, new technology, whatever advancements are being pursued. Um, you know, that's not profound. I think anyone else in the industry is probably going to agree. Um, where we're seeing it is in, in our business, our contractors are largely wanting to install products that install as quickly with, with the as little expertise as possible. Um, just knowing that those skilled craftsmen are so hard to come by. And we're seeing the manufacturers who are growing uh, the greatest right now are those that are offering products that can be installed pretty quickly and by just about anybody. So understanding that and understanding uh, what contractors are valuing in their product offering has definitely influenced what we're doing 
on the flip side of it, you know, the contractors that are trying to distinguish themselves with premium niche products that take a level of craftsmanship or uh, what we're still seeing advancement and development in their business of having to create new and better ways to sell and market to get in front of the homeowners, the appropriate homeowners, where then they can build value, sell at the margins they need to retain that labor to, to hire those folks. So it's impacting, I think, all ends of the spectrum. I think that's really interesting. And when you think about it, I think we're just now starting to see where this labor shortage, I mean, for the last couple of years, we've done a lot of complaining about it. And I think people are finally starting to figure out, okay, I need to adapt my business. Maybe I need to look for different products, but I need to figure out how to get in front of this thing because it's not going to go away. Even when suddenly a year ago, um, unemployment was, what, 20%? I don't know, maybe more than that. I forget. Um, even back then, we still had a shortage of labor in our industry. So I, I think that's spot on. I think that's a huge factor. Um, I would say another factor I'm starting to see as a motivator for some change coming down the pike um, really kind of revolves around some of the things we're starting to see with regulations on chemicals and different things. Um, I think their uh, use in the construction industry, we're going to start to see more and more regulation, and that's going to influence some change in products, probably practices, but probably more products, which actually, you know, I think is exciting. I think it could lead to some good things. And uh, we always got to think about not just what is the problem, Problem, but how do we get beyond that and how do we turn that problem into something good? So I, I think uh, that's another thing right now. So absolutely, great. good answer. So um, our guest today here on Construction Disruption uh, is none other than Mark Mitchell. Um, I have to say, I first learned of Mark several years ago when suddenly out of the complete blue, he sent me a copy of his book, which is known by its bright blue cover, for the way, um, his book, which is titled Building Materials Channel Marketing. I got to be honest, Mark, when I, when I got your book, I kind of set it aside for a while. Um, I certainly recognize that you had a very impressive pedigree in the building materials industry. Um, but then again, I thought, you know, I've been at this a while, too, so I had to think, ah, oh, what's this guy got to teach me? But you know, it really changed for me then a couple years ago when I attended one of your conferences out in uh, Colorado. Um, and it's a conference that you put on is specifically for building materials producers. And what I learned was even though you and I both had quite a bit of experience, quite a bit of industry knowledge, um, your forward thinking, your ability to see into the future, um, your ability to think ahead of everyone else was really spectacular. Um, so I've learned that you are someone who's always pushing and encouraging others toward better products, practices, and technologies. Um, so I'm really excited to have you as a guest today, and I know that you're going to share some ideas and thoughts that are going to encourage us all to lean into a future, um, lean into a better future for the building and remodeling industry. So if you would, Mark, could you kind of kick us off? Um, tell us a couple of, spend a couple minutes telling us, um, kind of reviewing your career and giving us a glimpse of what it is you do today. Okay. I, uh, well, I'm uh, excited to be part of this and, I, and I'm, this is going to be a great, uh, a great series for you, uh, Todd, in your business. Uh, this, you know, you have a lot to say and uh, I think this is the industry, the 
my whole thing started really when I started Wizard Strategy was about that how the industry had no sources of inf- education. Um, and that's really what it, it's been about. So I, I'm so glad to see that you're expanding that. Um, so I grew up in a little town of Findlay, Ohio, and my father was, I'll call him the Don Draper uh, uh, of, if you remember the TV show, Mad Men, my father was the Don Draper of Findlay, Ohio. So he had the, the cufflinks and the suit and the martinis and the <laughs> cigarettes and all of that stuff. So I grew up around that. And, uh, and so my father um, was the advertising manager of Cooper Tire and Rubber Company. And I, from him, I learned um, the, how do you take a smaller brand with a smaller budget and how do you outsmart the bigger guy? And I just, that my, my uh, personality is, uh, my Myers-Briggs is I'm an INTP. So I love to solve problems. I just, I, I'm, I just love, you know, if I, if I, I'm bored, if, if I don't have a problem, if I work for a corporation, it'd be a problem because I would go create problems to solve. And so, <laughs> so that's, that would never quite work out. Um, but, um, and, and I just watched how, you know, my father would, I'll say outsmart a Goodyear or Firestone, um, as, as a smaller company. And so then my father started a, uh, um, an advertising agency on our dining room table. And, um, he offered me a summer job, um, uh, one summer when I was in college and I, I went to work for him and I just loved it. And it was great because I had to be the artist and I'm a terrible artist and I had to be the writer and I'm an okay writer. Um, I had to be the media planning person and I'm not very good at that. I had to be the billing person and I'm terrible with finance. <laughs> um, but I, I learned what I really liked was interacting with the customer and having them describe their problem. And, um, and the customer um, that I, I found that I liked dealing with business to business customers the best. Um, if you were a business to consumer client, then it was really how much money do you have we can spend on advertising? Where business to business, I love the challenge of saying, okay, could we solve how how could we solve this problem and spend as little money as possible? Like, you know, using your brain. And uh, and I just love that. The other thing I quickly learned was how companies would go from the objective of we need to grow our sales or the boss is on us to grow sales. And so they jump right to a tactic like uh, in the old days. Oh, well, we need a new brochure. Okay. Uh, Today it's, we need a new website or uh, we should do social media. Okay. And we jump right to the tactic and there's no strategy and they don't stop and go, okay, we want to grow sales. Let's talk about who we're going to grow them to, why they would buy it, different ways, different messages and so forth and have a strategy, then it's amazing to me the tactic of a new website or an email campaign literally presents itself to you. And so I, um, I, I learned a lot working for my father. I then went to the big city of Toledo, Ohio, and I went to work for um, what was called an advertising agency that uh, uh, was about a 40-person agency that only did building materials. And I quickly learned that they did very little advertising. Um, they, they, because all their clients are building material companies uh, and the large sides, uh, Owens Corning, uh, 
uh, Elger Plumbing, um, Wausau Windows, uh, Formica, Dawn Products. And they, they all were different types of building material companies. And you quickly learned that, um, that you could solve, you stayed focused on solving the problem, not executing um, some tool that may or may not work. And, um, and so they had discovered that advertising really didn't work very well. Um, and, and it's a quick way to spend a lot of money, but not necessarily get much results. And so I really learned uh, the importance of that. And I got a deep understanding of the channel. I really, I had the opportunity to understand because I, I worked on commercial products, residential products for new construction, products for remodel, repair, retrofit. And so I, I quickly started to understand the value of the distributor and the difference between a one-step distributor, two-step distributor, or a lumber dealer, or a big box, or the architect, or the facilities manager, or the general contractor, or the subcontractor, or the facilities manager. All of these people were, you know, to be able to understand, you know, what motivates them, what problems are they having, and to be able to position your client's product as a way that's going to solve, you know, figuring out who's the decision maker here and who's the influencers. And I just love the, um, um, it's kind of like solving a murder mystery or something. It's like, you know, did uh, include, you know, was it Professor Plum in the, in the library with a knife or something? I, you know, but I just always, and so I would mentally just literally start by drawing out how does this product get to market? And who are all the different players? And then starting to think about who, what role does each person have? And what benefit does this comp dealing with this company or this product have to each of them? And, uh, and, I, and then, uh, you know, a solution would, would, uh, would present itself. And I just, um, I just found I was just really liked that. I also found that in dealing with um, creative people, um, many of them, you know, I'll say, look down their nose at building materials. And so they'll be, oh, well, I, I want to work on Nike or Pepsi or Apple or, you know, I want to go to Hollywood and make TV commercials or something. And I go, okay, you guys go do that. I'm just going to stay here and building materials <laughs> because there's nobody else is interested. So there won't be a lot of competition, <laughs> you know? And so I always, so I, I, and I just, uh, it, it's always been able to every day present a new challenge to me. Like I, I, you know, some people will have, they'll come up with a great idea and then every client needs that great idea to grow. And I, you know, <laughs> I want to find the next great idea. And so, uh, so I've just, uh, so I was always uh, either I worked for agencies and then I started my own agency with about as much sense with three other guys as that old TV show, the little rascals with Spanky and Alfalfa. And they'd go, let's put on a play, you know, and, and, and myself and these three other, uh, you know, guys said, well, let's start an agency. We had no idea what we were doing, you know, and uh, somehow we made it. I don't know how we did, but somehow, I mean, we had the talent and so forth, but we didn't understand how, business, how to get paid, how to charge, any of those things. And uh, and so over time, uh, you know, our interests changed and I eventually bought the other three out and then uh, had my own 
uh, agency that focused on building materials, but once again, did very little advertising. And um, in 2011, uh, I sold the agency to, uh, to one of my uh, uh, clients who had always wanted to be in the agency business. And um, because I found that at that point, well, one, I was tired of managing uh, 30 egos and uh, of creative people. And also, um, I was finding when I'd start working with a building material company and really doing the research on what's going on, that half the time, what they didn't need was a new website. What they didn't need was more marketing or better marketing. Not that it couldn't help them, but they had some other inherent problem that um, was outside of, of uh, you know, I, I've got an agency, I've got people I have to keep busy, so, so they probably need a new website. And, you know, and, and I didn't want to be, be tied down by that. So I sold the agency to become a consultant. And I had really, that's one of those things we all, when we get in our 50s, we all say, well, I'm going to become a consultant. And we have no idea what that really means. And I certainly didn't. And, uh, and it's a whole other world to, to learn. It took me a while to learn. But two people, two mentors really helped me. Um, one, one person said, okay, Mark, I want you to start a blog and I want you to write 30 blog posts in 30 days. And I thought, Okay. Have you met my high school English teacher? Have you <laughs> have you seen? You know that I, I I just like, and uh, but I thought okay, everything that this guy has taught me in the past has paid off. It's worked. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do what he says, and somehow I'm gonna do it. And I'm not gonna worry about. It. I don't have confidence in my writing skills. I'm not gonna worry that about that. I don't have confidence. That I have anything to say. I'm just gonna get going. And I thought, well, what do I know? Well. Let's say I have a point of view on how to sell a home builder. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, if I were trying to coax somebody or say, what have I learned over the years about how to sell a home builder? I'm going to write that. And so, so, and the first day was terrible. It probably took me eight hours to write that. And then, the, you know, and then by the end of the month, you know, I can write, you know, a six to 1200 word blog post in, you know, 90 minutes. And, uh, and I found that I enjoyed doing it. And so it taught me, um, and I also had to get over a fear of being wrong. Like, you know, I wanted to uh, be safe and write things that everybody would agree with. And so one of my other mentors said, Mark, if somebody doesn't disagree with you or you don't upset somebody, you're not trying hard enough. You failed, right? And so that was kind of a, oh, okay. Um, and... And so I started off doing that and, uh, and it was like, I, I found I liked doing it. I also discovered at that time that if you want to know how to, we have, we, we have sales training for people, we have product training for people, but we don't have customer training. And so if you want to know how to sell an architect, you can join the AIA great organization for architects, but you won't find anywhere how to sell architects. The same with the NAHB or the uh, Roofing uh, Association. You know, none of these associations, they're great for their members, okay? Um, but they aren't there to help the, um, the manufacturer. And uh, so I said, okay, I'm going to be that guy just simply because nobody else is. And so I, I started. And so another mentor said, Mark, you need to write a book. And I said, okay, 
it was hard to, you know, like my English teacher again, that Mark Mitchell writing a book is not going to happen. But after six months of writing, I realized I have half of a book written here. What the heck? And I thought, okay, what are the missing chapters? And so I then took the next six months writing one blog post a week at that point, and I wrote the rest of the book and then, and then, and then published it. And so my, um, you know, and so, so I published, you know, building material, uh, sales and marketing. Um, and, uh, it, you know, and my mentor said, Mark, you write a book to make yourself official. Okay. You get more credibility. You can charge more. Um, you don't have to prove yourself, but don't count on making any money on it. I'm like, okay. So I, I, I write the book and I was just, really pleasantly surprised by how well it was received, I think because there was nothing before that that was there. And, and so many companies bought like 25 copies and, and said, okay, every new employee uh, that interfaces with a customer has to read this book. And EOS, you know, reached out to me and said, you know, Mark, before, you know, your book, I could hire somebody who was really smart, you know, from another industry, like a new CFO or something, or, or a salesperson or marketing person. And it would, a year after I hired them, they'd walk into my office and go, oh my gosh, I finally figured out how this business works. And it's like, it, they'd, it would take them a year to go, oh, the distributor does what? And this guy does what? And who's a subcontractor? And, and he says, I can have them in a few hours read your book. And it's like, they got a year. And so that made me feel really good. And that was, uh, um, you know, it got me to start doing twice a year workshops and got me to just like every, every Saturday I get up and I say, I send a newsletter out every Sunday night and every Saturday morning I get up and say, Hmm, what should I write about this week? And, and, and inevitably it's based on a conversation I had with somebody that week. I'm like, Oh my gosh, the world needs to know this. They need to see this point of view. And so, um, and it's, it's like the, the, the more I give away, the more successful my consulting business is, you know, where some people try to go, oh, well, that's the secret sauce. You'll have to pay me for that. You know? And I'm like, no, just keep putting it out there. And I, so I've, I've just really enjoyed it because like, uh, you know, I love to learn. I'm very curious. And the minute I'm sure of something, like this is the only way to do something, a little alarm goes off in my mind. It says, wait a minute, Mark, <laughs> maybe there's another way. You know, maybe you need to rethink that. Um, so that, that was more than two minutes. I'm sorry, but <laughs> so I, <laughs> that's what I do. Excellent. So, so I have to ask you, though, how did, the, uh, how did you come to be called the wizard of building materials and sales? And, and I keep wanting to knock the H out of it and I just know. make it wizard instead of wizard, but uh, uh, I'd love to hear about that. <laughs> well, early in my career, there's just something about, so I'm this INTP personality, which means I love to solve problems. I'm very curious. And I also have uh, ADD which I think is a gift. And so, um, so I, uh, on one hand, it can be frustrating when you see a hundred things at once and you're trying to focus. But on the other hand, I see people, clients early on, some of my clients would say, Mark, you know, you're like magic. You see, you connect dots that I haven't even seen yet. <laughs> you know, you're like, you know, I'm, I'm walking down the street in New York city and I notice something and I go, Oh, that is going to affect the way something's insulated. 
Okay. <laughs> now I mean, or I read an article in the New York Times, or I saw something somewhere, and so I just have this uh, uh, cur- natural curiosity that I always, you know, I don't want to ever look at something and say this is the solution to that. I, I always want to start from scratch and and find is there a better way and 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 so so that the where some people would say, you know, when you've got a tough problem, go to Mark because he's going to give you some original thinking. He's going to give it to you very quickly. Um, and it's like magic. And so, so I was thinking about, okay, what should I call my consulting business? And, uh, and so one of the creative people I worked with said, Oh, uh, the wizard, you know, and uh, I go, great. That's how, can we go get that website? No, no, that's somebody already has that. Okay. What if we misspell it? Oh, you can get that one. So, so that's how we ended up adding the H. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, I want to dig into a little bit more meteor questions. And, and I guess, you know, one of the things I think about is, you know, you and I have both seen a lot of change um, in our industry over the years. Um, when you think about those folks who are going to lead uh, our industry into the future, what do you think has to be their mindset um, in order to be the the pioneers, the leaders, the the ones who bring us into the next frontier, if you will? Well, our industry has, um, as you as you know, been uh, extremely slow to change extremely slow yes. to accept new ideas, new products, new practices, new ways of installing or buying or training or anything. We've been, you know, I just remember when I first started uh, back in the 1970s and here's this uh, company DuPont trying to get people to wrap their houses in paper and uh, you know, and how builders are like, what, you know, and, and, uh, and how, uh, how hard, it, it, how much time it took and money and investment to, for them to get to become a, a generally accepted practice and a code requirement to have a house wrap. And, and then, you know, along to me comes uh, James Hardy with a product like fiber cement, which at first the, certainly the vinyl industry all laughed at it and said, Oh, that's terrible. And they, they all they saw were the, the weaknesses of, uh, of fiber cement and didn't think it would ever amount to anything. And then like, you know, it's like four years later, they wake up and go, "Uh oh, (laughs) what's happening to the market share of vinyl siding? And um, and then I see how um, Huber comes along and says, why don't we take a sheathing and glue the house wrap to it and we'll call it a zip system. And it amazed me how. I see this at the home builder show and literally the next month it's like all I see is green everywhere. I look at things under construction. And yep. so, so, so the rate of adoption is, is, uh, is coming, um, you know, faster and faster. And then, uh, um, so, uh, one of the things, if I were the leader, um, you gotta, there's this problem also within the companies. So a company has a factory that makes a certain type of product. We could say like fiberglass insulation or um, uh, asphalt shingles. So they've got factories that are set up to do this. And the way that they see to be successful is to maximize the output of those factories. It's not to reinvent 
It's not to come up with a new, better idea that might cannibalize some of those sales. It's like I, you know, and I'm not a financial guy, but I just see where if we think about, you know, other like the electronics industry, you know, well, as soon as you come out with a phone, you better be working on the next new phone. Right. (laughs) And maybe, and maybe all of a sudden it's no longer a phone. Maybe it's not now it's something different. Right. And, and so the, the new people that have to that come in um, need to be thinking beyond my job is to keep this factory running, making the same old product. Um, they because it, the, the first disruption, a big disruption to me was Nest thermostats. So along comes the guy that helped to invent the iPod and says, gee, you know, I'm going to leave Apple and I've always wanted to start my own run my own company and, and develop my own product line. And he looks around and says, let me see what would be, what would be a great industry? Oh, the building materials industry. There's absolutely no new ideas or innovation there. Okay. And let's see how about when was the last time anybody made a thermostat better? Okay. Long time. Like somebody, what, 20 some years ago said, oh, we have this thing called setback. Okay. And so that was our big, big thing. And along comes some guy saying, okay, well, the most expensive thermostat you can buy today is $120. Mine's going to be $250, and, um, and, uh, and you can install it yourself, or we'll have that contractor guy uh, tell you, uh, you tell him what time you want him to come, okay? And he's going to charge $80 to install it, right? Not like you're going to cross your fingers, he'll get there when he can. And, and they just totally, you know, I can't imagine being in the thermostat business, being Honeywell or anybody else. And all of a sudden comes this, comes this nest and they're selling them at Apple stores. They aren't going to Lowe's and say, will you please sell our product? Lowe's is going to them and say, what does it take for us to carry your product? Um, and, and then I'm looking at this uh, Elon Musk guy, you know, and, and, um, and so, you know, he's fooling around in the solar stuff and who knows what's going to happen with that. But, you know, if he, if he or other innovative people like that put building materials in their crosshairs, <laughs> uh, I, I say, look out. Um, uh, so I think we're going to face uh, disruption where the typical thing today is, you know, I'm in, um, you know, I'm in the insulation business. Uh, I make fiberglass insulation. I have uh, three competitors. Then we have spray foam and we have other, we have cellulose. We have these other materials and that's, that's the world of insulation. Um, and, you know, but some kid at MIT right now is in a lab figuring out like, you know, how to make insulation out of something we've never thought of <laughs> that, that, you know, performs better, more higher R per inch, lower cost it installs itself. I don't know, you know? and so. If I were that that young person coming in, I would one, I would want to be a disruptor myself. So I would want to have my company saying, you know, how can we get out ahead of things? And I would be carefully looking for where is the disruption going to come from? You know, and and it, at first it's going to be this tiny little blip on the radar screen that you're not even going to see if you're not looking for it. Um and no one will take it serious, but then it will come on like gangbusters. Um, just, just uh, as uh, you know, as I think, uh, 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 panelized modular offsite construction, 
is um, is going to, uh, I think, explode in growth. So, so you kind of touched on something there that kind of drove a stake through my heart uh, by saying that, you know, a lot of times we're being held in by our own infrastructure. So do you think a lot of times and, and perhaps even going forward, some of those more ingenious ideas are going to come from outside our industry because you're, you're bringing in folks that don't have those constraints of, hey, I got this factory and it does this and that's what this factory does. Yes, uh, exactly. I mean, I am uh, probably twice a month, um, a young person reaches out to me with this, um, an idea, an innovative idea in building materials. And it could be an innovative distribution idea. It could be an innovative product idea, but it's an innovative idea. And, and the problem I see is they, uh, on the surface at least, looks like they've got a great idea. But what they don't understand is the building materials industry. <laughs> and so what I don't see is the building material companies themselves saying, why aren't we have some people on our staff who are thinking outside of the box? Okay. Um, it, and I don't know if they still do it, but I think 3M used to say to uh, the, you know, if I'm in charge of the tape division or something, that that part of my performance is 15% of my earnings a year from now have to come from products that don't exist today. So, so I'm forced to have part of my budget be people figuring out new uses for tape or new kinds of tape, or, you know, maybe redefining tape and calling a tape a fastener. I don't know. And, uh, and so you just look at how, you know, every time I turn around, there's some new product from 3M. Um, my wife loves to hang pictures up and I hate holes in the wall. And so I discovered these little, these little hanger things they have, you know, and I was at the hardware store the other day and, and the woman says, Oh, we are, we sell those so fast and we make so much money on those. And so does 3M. Like, and it's like, and I'm happy. I'm not, you know, I'm happy with the product. And, uh, and so I, I think, you know, that, uh, and, and uh, the other thing that I see happen is in the past, I've seen companies come up with a new idea. And uh, so they come up with a new product, but it is going to cannibalize the sales of the current product. And so they will literally, um, they'll put a team in charge of the new product and a new, most new products fail. So that to me is like sending somebody to Las Vegas with a bunch of money. Now, I would want to send my best poker player to Las Vegas. I wouldn't want to send, you know, this this uh, young upcoming person with promise and say, you're in. Oh, you're in charge of this new thing. Right. Um, I would I would want to take my best people and say, OK, we we got the, the everyday products. We got that handled. We need your skills to make this a success. And um, and so so often I see companies will launch a truly, they'll come up with a truly innovative idea, but they're not good at launching new products. And, and so they don't know how to do it. So if success doesn't come easy or come quickly um, or come the way they think it's going to, they quickly give up on it and, and move away. And, um, and they need to stick it out. They need to think it, th they usually don't also do their research. You know, they, they, they make a product because they can make it. And because they can make it, everybody must want this. 
and and they make a big assumptions. You know, they don't go out into the customer and say, "What are your problems?" You know, what are your problems with roofing? Okay, you know, what what are your pain points? Just forget what roofing is today, but what are your pain points about roofing? And uh, who says roofing has to be what we define it as today? And where would that lead your thinking? You know, if uh, if you were just totally thinking outside of the box. And uh, so I see that as a, as a challenge that uh, companies have. Interesting. Yeah, really interesting. And it, a good reminder, it's the perceived catch-22 of existing infrastructure versus new. But it's not really a catch-22 when the existing is going to end someday if you don't have any new coming along. So it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, uh, not, not truly uh, all, that all or nothing. So uh, we got to figure that out. Um, Mark, I'm curious, when you're working with those companies who are launching those products, you said they may have the good idea, but don't have, you know, launch them well. I think that research is really interesting, especially when we talked about skilled labor shortage earlier. You know, we're talking about that a lot around here of trying to keep that in mind with our business and new products of what, what does that installer want? What does that installer need? Uh, what are other best practices or typical advice you're giving a a building products manufacturer taking a new product to market? Um, well, the, the, um, the, the first one is to really understand your customer's pain point, your customer's business, and what challenges they're facing today. Because you, you, you may come up with a better idea, but it's, it's and they'll, the customer will even say, this is a better idea. But they look and say, why don't you come back in six months? You know, like, uh, uh, no one's asking for this. My boss isn't saying find a better widget, whatever. And so that's in their mind, maybe number 36 on their list. But, you know, if you know what their top three to five challenges are, you know, then all of a sudden, okay, how would our product help one of those needs? Okay. Well, now you just moved up the ladder. Okay. Um, the other is that companies tend to, they kind of go all in where even like, you know, a Procter and Gamble and, and other uh, companies, Coca-Cola, Nabisco, whatever the in consumer packaged goods, companies that know how to do new products, you know, well, they fail, but they also will test. So they'll come up with this idea and they'll, they'll, you know, sell it in Columbus, Ohio, and they'll see how does it, how does it perform? <laughs> Do people like it? Will grocers put it on the shelf? Will people use it? Um, and what price can we charge and so forth? Um, is the name stupid or the package or whatever? And they, and, they, and they kind of figure that out. Then they go, right? We're, we're, the building material companies are like, okay, build the plant. This is, this is a winner. We're going. And, and it's like, no, 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 no. Slow down just a little bit, right? You know, and they, they, they because they're not used to doing it. Um, they don't know how to do new products where the, you know, the electronics industry knows how to do new products. The, the car industry knows how to do new products. Um, but building materials, you know, a new product is, is a new color, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it's not, it's not as bold of a new product as um, I think the customers are looking for. Sure. Can you uh, think of any examples of established building products manufacturers who are doing this well? Anyone uh, being the 3M of the industry? No. 
<laughs> so, there's no. a spot to fill then. We oh, no, no, there, there definitely, there's a spot to fill in every category of building products, whether it's windows, whether it's siding, uh, insulation, um, uh, <laughs> concrete walls, whatever it doors, uh, every single flooring, there, there's, there's a space for innovation. And so what I see is, you know, um, it's usually somebody outside of the, in, it's not an industry leader. It's somebody outside that, that has, a, has a better idea, and they are fortunate enough to somehow uh, <laughs> make a success of it. They sure. have the financing. They have the, you know, the wherewithal. Uh, there's a lot of people out there with great ideas that don't have either the money or the, or the knowledge to know what to, how to take that great idea beyond a great idea in their garage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see those all the time. And I also see the big companies not particularly interested in them. Like, I, I don't understand um, why these companies like don't literally have once a year an inventor day. Like, you know, we are looking for new ideas. So here, please come here and, and, and you get, you get 30 minutes in front of this group of people to like shark tank, show us your thing, you know, and, uh, they have no interest. It's like, unless you have a $50 million, hundred million dollar business, um, that they might want to buy. But the idea of, uh, you know, taking an idea from the beginning, um, uh, when maybe it has no sales or a million dollars of sales and saying, okay, we should, we should do this. I don't see that. They're looking for that. Really interesting. We need to talk, think more about that, figure out how we can put that on for the industry. Yeah. I hear a challenge in here. This is good stuff. (laughs) Exciting to me though. You're hearing from a couple a month of, uh, young, innovative people with new ideas. Do you, do you find yourself giving the same advice frequently to those folks of, getting into an industry of a bunch of stodgy, hard to change folks? Well, I, I try to help them as much as I can uh, with, with uh, if I were them, um, usually they, they can't afford me. And I, I try to give them um, as much uh, free advice as I can to, to help them um, point them in the right direction, maybe make some connections, contacts for them and so forth, and just make it clear to them, look, you know, this here's some things you're going to be up against that you don't see. Okay. And, and so you, you need to see, you know, your product is going to be sold by a distributor to a, this, to a, this. Okay. And so you have your, you've got a product that the person at the end of the line, the homeowner may like the product, right. But it's maybe never going to get there if it, if it doesn't go through these things. Right. And so they're like, Oh, okay. You know, and it's kind of like, you know, uh, you know, figuring, figuring that out. The, the other big one that I see um, is that everything is going to move online. And, and so just, uh, you know, COVID just has sped this up. So the first thing that we have now is the customer, homeowner, contractor, whoever, you know, they're now going online to, to learn about a product to learn about a problem, a solution or whatever. They're going online, they're watching YouTube videos, they're reading things or so forth, but they're, they're going online. And so by the time they contact you, they're already kind of uh, a, a bit pre-sold. <laughs> um, you know, they, they have done uh, their homework. It may be correct or incorrect, but they've, 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 they've spent some time online. And, and so the next thing is, you know, they're going to want to say, Okay, 
Um, all right, I like this roof. Um, uh, how can I buy it online? Okay, what? Okay, <laughs> what? No, no, a contractor has to come out and come in your house and talk with you and walk around and measure stuff. And, and, and you don't know what you're buying. And you have to go, do I trust this guy? Do I really need uh, to do a tear off or whatever he's telling, or new ventilation, whatever he's telling me? Because I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I, I'm not a, an expert in roofs. And, and I just like, um, you know, to, to my, my wife fell in love with a Tesla car. And because one of her girlfriends has one and she loves the stereo system in it. Right. And so, so I went, I said, okay, let's, you know, so I go online and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is an unbelievable experience. You know, to, to buy an order, a Tesla online is unlike any other car experience, you know? And, uh, and it was like, okay, if, uh, you know, if you can buy a car online and then, you know, talking to more friends like, oh, no, I, I, I got a new used car from this place called Carvana. Never drove it. They brought it to my house. Looks great. All this. And I'm like, you know, and so I think a lot of the industry is like afraid of the, ch ch I'm going to call it channel disruption. Like, okay, what will my distributors or contractors think if they see that I'm selling online? Uh-oh, right? but somebody's going to do it. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I look at like Dex direct, um, that, that, you know, uh, views themselves as a distributor of deck materials. Um, but you can call them up as a homeowner. They will help you design your deck. They will sell you all the things, ship them to you. Um, and if you want Trex or you want Fibron or Vantech or whatever you want. Um, and, um, you know, I think the next thing will be they'll figure out how to include the labor, just the way we see Home Depot and Lowe's do so many things with installed sales. Um, and so uh, I, I think there's a, a, a number of companies that are chomping at the bit. <laughs> um, some of them, I think, mistakenly think they'll make more margin, which I don't think that they necessarily will because there's a, there's a cost to doing online correctly. And the, the, uh, and uh, in some cases, you still need a distributor. You know, I mean, how is the how is uh, you know how are twenty squares of roofing going to get from you to you know uh, Tupelo, Mississippi, right? You know, <laughs> and uh, and so I just think that that's going to be you know that's going to explode on us soon, um, and uh, you know where people are going to with all the technology and things that we have that there's. Uh, I just think that's going to be a big area that's going to change the whole building materials industry. Yeah. That's interesting where you mentioned Dex Direct. A couple of years ago, we uh, launched a website, Standing Seam Direct, and it's geared toward um, sophisticated do-it-yourselfers, smaller contractors. And I've been amazed at the response to that website. Same thing. You know, they're able to get answers and response and direct service that they just couldn't get other ways. So uh, I agree that disruption of those channels is is going to happen. And so the, the companies that figure it out and are boldly willing to go there um, are going to reap the benefits, well, I think. And, and I guess what I find, too, is that they don't necessarily hurt everybody else's sales. Right. They, they in fact, sometimes enhance the sale because they, they may um, go want to go through the – well, one, they're more aware of your product. And so then some of them are going to want to do it, the, you know, the traditional way. 
and now more of them are aware of it, right? And then, yes, some of them are going to buy it online, uh, but somebody still needs to um, drop it off on the job site. Somebody still needs to install it, okay? Sure. And I'm sitting there as a, if I'm thinking I'm a roofing contractor, I'm wondering how much am I, how much am I paying for sales and marketing expense for every job I get? All right. So, you know, if I get a, a $30,000 roof, okay, how much did I spend on marketing to get that $30,000 roof? And what, how much am I paying my salesperson for closing that deal? All right. So now did that 30,000 all of a sudden go to 24,000? Right. Mm -hmm. And and all of a sudden, here's a manufacturer delivering me a $24,000 job, handing it to me. Right. Yeah. Okay. Is that a bad deal? Uh, you know, so, because that's the other thing I know that you're noticing or not, guys, but um, um, I'm noticing that contractors from when I first started in this business, uh, contractors were, uh, in, first of all, in good installers who then, had to run, decided they were going to go in business for themselves or, or it was their father's business or something, but they begrudgingly became business people. Okay? Right. They, they really didn't like selling, didn't like pricing, didn't like uh, HR, all of dealing with banks, all that stuff. And now, man, am I seeing ever the, the business skills of contractors is so much stronger today. They're just a smarter bunch of people from a business standpoint. And, and they make wiser decisions and they're able to, you know, not just say, okay, where can I buy this the cheapest? They're able to say, okay, you know, what are the benefits of dealing with this company that maybe cost a little more? Oh, okay. Fewer callbacks. Oh, easier to sell. Oh, the, the you know, everything arrives on time. Oh, let me see. What's it, when I put all that together, this is, you know, I'm, I'm wasting less time making better use of my limited manpower. Um, so I think that's another exciting change that's happening in our industry. Good stuff. So I, I, I'm thinking back when I came out and uh, saw you at your conference a couple, almost three years ago, I think, out in Boulder. Yes. Um, was the first time from you, um, it was the first time I'd ever heard of a company called Katera. Yes. And, you know, I went back, said, I got to learn about them. I got to discover that. I started connecting with a lot of people at Katera, trying to figure out what they're doing. I never had the benefit of actually visiting them like I know you did. Yes. Um, but I, I'm just curious, Chris, recently there there was a sad news of, of the demise of their, their company. But you alluded to it earlier. So despite that, you still think the future for modular panelized type construction is big. Is that correct? Huge, yeah. huge. Um, and yes. And a lot of that was things that you saw them doing that you said, gosh, there's a future here. Well, it, it, uh, I think that they, unfortunately, I don't know, maybe had too much money at their disposal. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, I mean, I've seen this with some other companies that tried to get into building materials, um, primarily we'll say distribution or some companies that say wanted to be the Amazon of building materials. And, and, and with lots of money and, and fell on their face. <laughs> and, and so I think that, you know, um, what impressed me when I went to Katera was um, the, um, the, the, just the, the mindset about, you know, bring me your plans, Mr. Builder, and we will, you know, build as much of the house basically as you want us to do. Um, and we will do it at a higher quality. And, uh, and you can decide the level of, um, 
of uh, products that you want uh, in there. Do you want house wrap? Do you want zip system? What, what, what would you like? Um, and, um, and then I think the couple other things that really impressed me was I, I, took, uh, I took a client out there who had a, a product that, let's say, weighed less than, performed the same, but weighed less than what the, the uh, Katera was using. And immediately the people in the meeting got out like a, a calculator and a, and a pad and they started to go, okay, let me see. We, it takes four trucks for us to deliver a house. Now, if we could, and the reason is because the weight. And so if we could reduce the weight by this much, would that enable us to get it into three trucks instead of four? I mean, so just the, the mindset of how they were thinking impressed me. And then I'm walking through uh, one of their departments and and here was a, a corner section of an insulated concrete form wall. And I'm sitting there going, what would you ever do with ICF in a, in a, in a factory built, right? Right. And I had no clue, but I'm going, they're, no, they're, they don't have any rules about you can't look at that. They, they look at everything. Um, and then um, I was also impressed when I went to the builder show and see how, saw how they started to get into the product category. And they would look and say there there needs to be a better one a better widget right and we, and we can't get the current manufacturers to make a better widget we already ask them they're not interested so we're going to go do that and so those kind of things really said wow now uh, they then to me they I don't think they knew what they were are we in the product business are we in the apartment business are we in the mass timber business are we in build uh, buildings in Saudi Arabia and India business um, and uh, on the other side I look at like uh, Jerry McCoffey at uh, Integra and so so here's uh, this crazy Irishman uh, who who has experience in Europe in building uh, panelized uh, homes and they have more experience in Europe than we do. And he comes over here several years ago, and he opens a plant in um, outside of Oakland, California. And um, he's like the Pied Piper of offsite construction. He, he, I remember the first time I heard about him. My, my sister is a um, VP of marketing uh, for Wayne Homes in Northeast Ohio, and uh, and she called me one day and says, uh, "This is like five years ago." Said Mark, "I went to the NHB luncheon today." And, and there was this speaker from Ireland, and he insulted us for one hour by what crappy homes we build, how we charge too much, and they take too long to build, right? And it's like, I've never paid to be insulted. She said, you'd really like this guy, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> so I immediately reached out to him. And, you know, and so here, here's, uh, here is uh, Jerry. He's building, I'll call it the shell of the house for the home builder. He just does wood. He just does wood shells, wood framing, wood sheathing. Um, and he builds it to your spec at a higher quality in his factory than a flatbed, takes it to the job site. And in a few hours, that, that home is erected. And where the builder might take two weeks to do that with framers that he can't find. And, um, and so I just watch how successful he is um, as one example, where he's, he's sticking to his area of expertise. He's not trying to be all things of all people. Um, and then it's like every city I go to, uh, or, you know, like uh, uh, here in Denver, I think we have at least two companies that are doing um, uh, exterior panels for commercial buildings. So we'll say up to four stories that they're steel uh, 
they're steel framed, uh, steel studs, and then uh, and then they'll put the sheathing and the exterior finish on it. The openings for the windows, doors, everything is there. And then they just show up on a flatbed and like putting Legos together. Here's the exterior of the building, and um, and they are sold out. They they can't uh, keep up. You know, they're t- trying to look how can we add more capacity. And so I'm just seeing, you know, this all around little little pockets of here and there and so forth. And I haven't seen anybody big get into it. Um, but it goes back to, you know, Todd, I think that for years we've just said, oh, construction is is inefficient and wasteful. And that's just the way it is. It's just that just too bad. That's just the way it is. And I think what Katera did was show that you can save, you know, 30% on the time, you know, you can get a building built, let's say 30% faster, maybe faster than that. And um, it can be of higher quality. And now the the owner, the money people are saying, okay, how much does it cost me for every extra day that that building's not done? And, and so then they start asking themselves that and they say, oh, gee, with this construction, like, I think I, I read where, a home builder, it cost them five hundred dollars a day, and and so so now they're looking, saying, oh, so if I used you, I could get in um, thirty days faster. I can get the home built thirty days faster. Okay, so thirty times five hundred, you know, gee, that's uh, fifteen thousand dollars. And oh, and your product's only five thousand dollars more than what I normally would use. Oh, that's a deal, and wow. and so. And the uh, the other one I love, I think it's Jerry McCoffee uses this example all the time, but it's kind of like, you know, are you going to order a bunch of parts for a car, have them dropped off in your driveway and have some mechanic show up and build your car in your driveway? I mean, that's, that's like <laughs> what we're doing, you know, with housing. And, uh, and so I think you're going to see the owners, uh, uh, the builders saying there's, I have too much to lose to take too much time. And also, I can't find certain labor, like framers. I can't find them. And so um, th- that's going to drive it. I think that the, the, on the commercial side, the, the uh, hotel developer that owns 12 hotels is going to build three new ones. He now is going to look at, okay, it used to take me two years to build this hotel. Okay. And how, man, you, you could build it in 18 months or 12 months. Okay. Wow. That, I need that. And then when he goes to his banker and his banker's going to start asking, how are you going to build this? And the banker's going to start to become more knowledgeable and say, oh, you're going to site build this? Okay, well, maybe then this is the interest rate for you. Oh, you're going to build it off site. Okay, well, then this is the interest rate for you. Um, I just, it just, there's too many forces that are going to just drive it this way. Very interesting. Well, this has been great. Um, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, we got to do this again sometime. Anytime. Um, we we are pretty much at the end of your t- of our time. I do want to ask you: Is there anything that you would have uh, you're thinking? Gosh, I wish I would have been able to share that that you'd like to share here at the end before we close out. Um, just just one thing that that I that I that um, that I notice is how um, we've become now virtual sellers, and it doesn't matter that we can travel again. It doesn't matter we can go make sales calls. Um, now, smart salespeople are saying, what's the best use of my time? Okay, is it to get on a plane and fly across the country and meet with somebody for an hour and then fly back? Okay, 
And, and maybe it is, right? But they're also saying, could I do that without having to take that trip? So now I have maybe three productive days instead of one hour of one day out of the three. Um, and maybe I don't have, you know, $1,500 worth of travel expenses. Um, and, and so, so, and the customers themselves are also saying, hey, I would like to meet with you, but if you come see me, I have to be, I have to give you an hour's worth of time. I got to, you know, got to be nice. I got to have a meeting room. I got to this, I got to that, right? And I, I, well, I love you. I love your company. I love seeing you. I really need 10 minutes of your time, okay? I've got a project I want to talk to you about with this, and we can get this done in 10 minutes or 20 minutes, okay? You don't have to come see me. And so, so how I continue to be amazed that I remember when I first started in this business, we public relations was a really big deal. And I remember like the PR agency would give all these executive media training before a trade show. Like when you get interviewed by pro builder, here's how to handle yourself. And now these same salespeople, CEOs, everybody, they're now on camera. Like they, they literally have become like a local anchor person, but they don't know it. And so I see people who, um, they're, they're just like, they're, 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 there's a bright light behind them and their face is all dark. I can't understand them because they have a terrible microphone. They're, they, they're, they're, their camera lens is smeared, you know, and what's behind them maybe is dirty dishes in a kitchen. They got a, a football jersey on, you know, and I'm like, what? And, and so, so, so I've, you know, seeing more and more companies start to realize, okay, this is going to be part of our future. Okay. Uh, and so we better get better at it. And, yep. and so like I'm experimenting and showing clients like, okay, you know, what's behind you. So I'm, I'm learning how to put different things behind me as an example to show clients. And, um, and uh, when I've just seen somebody sitting in an office talking to me, and, and their logo isn't there, it's not reinforcing. Oh, I'm talking to this company. <laughs> okay. Right. That's, and they, it's, I'm talking to GIF roofing person, right? It's, or a company that I've never heard of, right? Well, it really helps to have that. Or maybe there's an image of your product or just, and just, it just, we're not taking the time and attention. Um, and so that's something I'm really trying to get people to, uh, to, to take a look at as kind of ideally the company should invest <laughs> For their salespeople in, you know, like a, 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 a little better webcam, uh, make sure they have good headphones, a good microphone at a minimum, and then maybe look at what can you do with a green screen background um, uh, to set yourself apart and look more professional and just be more comfortable uh, doing it. Because uh, at first it's kind of awkward and like, how do I look? And this is weird. And what are people thinking? And why does that guy have his camera off? Does he, does he not like this? Or, <laughs> you know, oh my God, you know, uh, you know, all that stuff. So that would be the, the one thing that's kind of my hot button right now. I, I love that. And, and, you know, whereas we as a manufacturer really are glad that we're finally able to get out and see people, I like the fact that we now have permission to do it other ways. And now I hear from you the challenge to make sure we're doing it better and doing it as well as we can. That's been great. So this has been great. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I do want to ask you, um, tell us a little bit about why maybe someone would want to contact you and then tell us how they can contact you. So, uh, well, uh, number one is, um, uh, 
on my, uh, I have a, 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 a newsletter I send out every Sunday night. And so, and that's free and a podcast and, and a YouTube channel. So there's, and on my website are over 500 articles about anything you can think of probably about building materials marketing. Amazing and, stuff. And all of those things are there for free. You can go on my website and you can, you got a question like how to sell home builders. I've probably written eight articles on how to sell home builders. You probably find something of value there. Um, and so that's that. Then uh, the second one is companies come to me uh, when they're stuck. <laughs> that when things, they don't come to me when things are going well. They come to me when they're stuck um, and they need some outside thinking uh, from somebody with experience uh, because we all are so close to our own situations. It's hard to see the forest for the trees. <laughs> and, and so I come in as an outside person and I see things and notice things that the company doesn't notice <laughs> that are slowing down their sales that are usually pretty obvious to me and, um, and usually can be um, corrected or fixed without having to make a major uh, additional expenditure. And so I, I consult with companies. It's normally a three to four month engagement. My goal is to come in and, and identify the problem and fix the problem and then go on to solve the next problem. So I don't get bored at that company. Uh, and, uh, and then they come back to me the next time they could use some outside thinking. So I consult with companies um, and I have no uh, vested interest in trying to sell you a website or a video or something because I don't care. I'm not going to do it. I'm, 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 I, I will have an opinion about what you should do. But after I've really researched, interviewed your customers, uh, spent time with your salespeople and your leaders. So I, I consult with companies um, is my probably main business. I also speak at uh, association or uh, events or at sales meetings several times a year. I'm looking forward to getting back to, I started in February speaking at my first live meeting in a year. It's kind of boring speaking at Zoom meetings, but, um, and then the other thing I do is twice a year, I do a two-day workshop um, in Boulder, uh, one in the fall and one in the spring. And uh, uh, I had, because of COVID, turned those into uh, live stream webinars, but now this fall, I'm going to go back I think it's November 15th and 16th, um, going back to a live uh, two-day event here in Boulder. And so those are the things I do. Um, you, you can, uh, uh, a, a, an easy way is to find me on LinkedIn, is just connect with me. You can probably find Mark Mitchell. Uh, I'll probably pop right up there and uh, connect with me there. Um, and uh, the other is come to my website which is uh, seethewizard.com. That's S-E-E-T-H-E-W-H-I-Z-A-R-D.com. And those are probably the easiest ways to, uh, to get in touch with me. Great. Thanks so much. And I do encourage people to reach out. Um, I have greatly enjoyed uh, our relationship and getting to know you. So thank you. Thank you again for joining us. Um, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode of Construction Disruption uh, with our special guest, Mark Mitchell. I encourage you, if you're watching us on Apple Podcasts, to, to put in a review in there. If you're watching us on YouTube, um, 
be sure to comment as well. I should say listening to us on Apple Podcasts. So, uh, Mark, this has been great. You've given us some great optimism, some great insight, really some great challenges uh, for those of us who want to be the pioneers and the leaders going forward of, again, a $1.3 trillion and growing industry. So um, please watch for future episodes of Construction Disruption. We have more great guests on tap uh, in coming weeks. Um, But until then, I encourage everybody, change the world for someone. Make them smile, bring them encouragement, give them hope. Um, Some of the most powerful things that we can do to change the world start one individual at a time. So thanks again. God bless. Take care. Until the next time on Construction Disruption. 